Welcome to r slash pro revenge, where OP becomes the boss of her toxic boss. Our next Reddit post is from Traveling ABC. I was desperate to get a new job after my husband and I were both laid off last year. When I was offered a new role, I knew that it would be a step down from what I was doing, but the manager and the team seemed great, and that part hasn't changed. However, since my manager Gary was so busy, he basically offloaded me to another manager, Jane. I was supposed to be the connection point between my team and Jane, but it quickly became Jane micromanaging me. She would ask me to work through lunch, move and cancel vacation days, call at 11pm on weekends, and order me around on phone calls. She also made nasty comments about my weight and said that I was too big for my race. The list of personal slights is so long that it filled three pages. I would talk back to her and she did not like that, and that provoked her more. I only stayed because we needed to pay the bills. Finally, I had a mental breakdown on a Friday afternoon after she yelled at me for something trivial about scheduling a meeting without including someone from her team who I didn't even know about. I was dealing with a family tragedy and I couldn't take it anymore. I told Gary about the situation with Jane and he was sympathetic and not at all surprised considering half of her team quit. He immediately offered to move me to a different team under him and I was thrilled. Well, turns out going to a new team didn't help. Jane continued to order me around from afar. When I ignored her emails, she came to my desk one day and started loudly talking about how I'm not qualified for this role. Gary overheard her and finally told her off, but the verbal abuse didn't stop. After two months there, I abruptly wrote my resignation letter, attached the list of Jane's offensive comments, and CC'd everyone. Gary offered a bunch of accommodations to try to keep me, but seeing how she was still provoking me from afar, I said the only way for me to stay would be for her to go and he didn't have the authority to let her go. Her manager was in a different country, and despite several HR complaints from at least five people, nothing was done. So I left, loudly and without shame, telling everyone exactly why I was leaving. Times were very bad for three months. There were nights that we would eat slices of bread just so that we could pay the mortgage and emergency expenses from a health crisis and a funeral. Even after my husband found a job, we were still catching up on bills and still are. I spent months applying to 5-10 to 10 jobs per day, sometimes over 20. Last month, I saw a public memo about a big shot from a former company joining the company I just left. I used to work with this guy closely, so I texted him, congrats, let me know if you need any insights on the new place. We had a quick call where I told him some ins and outs and where I thought they could innovate. After this call, he asked me to join the team as his chief of staff, and I accepted. Imagine Jane's shock when we had our first all-hands call. All the VPs and above were asked to welcome the new Big Shot in a giant conference room. In the Big Shot speech, he breezed over that I'd be his new chief of staff, along with a few key names. I now sat two levels above Jane, and apparently, within the three months that I wasn't there, the other half of her team had quit. Every single person working under Jane quit. Gary was excited for me and said all nice things. However, Jane took the classless route and sent Big Shot an email about how I'm an unqualified idiot, that I used to work for her, how I tried to get her fired, and that she suspects that I lied to get ahead. She didn't even try to be fake nice. Big Shot forwarded me Jane's email and asked what this was about. 
I was so nervous and excited. Little did Jane know, I had worked as a director at Big Shot's competitor company, and I had already worked a level above her, so two levels isn't that big of a leap. Also, I'd worked with Big Shot for over five years. I had an hour-long call with Big Shot and told him that Jane was bad for the company culture and was a nasty person in general. But the evidence Big Shot needed was Gary confirming that her whole team had quit. My prior resignation letter, which was still sitting on my desktop when I logged in upon return, and a few other nasty emails she sent to recent staff, which they were happy to share with us. Big Shot fired Jane on Friday. Our next Reddit post is from Jock BBC Boy. When I was in college, I had a minimum wage job in a bargain retail store. I worked in the warehouse around a lot of older guys, and the job required heavy lifting, usually 75 to 250 pounds of pallets and boxes. This motivated me to start lifting weights seriously. I lost like 25 pounds over the course of my first six months there by working out solo at the campus gym. However, most of my coworkers were older guys with whom I had very little in common. I rarely talked to anyone else, but I did want to be seen as one of the cool guys. So it was strange, but an honor when the manager of the fleet of delivery trucks, Victor, approached me at work one day and started conversing with me. Victor was older, about 45, while I was 23, but he was well respected by everyone in the warehouse. He dressed well and seemed pretty fit. In the course of the conversation, we discussed lifting weights together, and he invited me over to his home gym one day. We exchanged phone numbers, and we agreed to lift together on a Friday when his wife, Nora, was at work. I showed up at his house with one of my favorite t-shirts on, and Victor was shirtless. He suggested that I lift with no shirt too. I felt uneasy about it and said no. Victor snatched my shirt by the left sleeve and pulled it until it ripped. He apologized, promised to buy me another shirt, and I had to lift with no shirt on. We worked chest and triceps, but throughout the lift I felt uncomfortable. Victor kept touching my chest and my stomach, which he said was to help me focus. I kept pushing it to the back of my head, but I did decline to go inside of Victor's house. I left my ripped shirt at his house in the garage where his weight set was located. Over the next few days, the awkwardness increased. Victor asked me during phone calls if I had a girlfriend, how often I passionately hugged, if I watched adult videos, etc. He ran into me in the bathroom at work during my lunch break and would always sit close to me just to talk about really personal stuff. I learned that his wife was a pastor at a prominent church, that she made more money than Victor, and that Nora didn't believe in passionately hugging outside of procreation. When I asked about my shirt being replaced, Victor always said that he had money problems, so I ended up replacing the shirt myself later. Victor invited me over again to work out with him. I wore a tank top that time. Victor asked me to take it off, and I did, and during that workout, he mentioned that he was behind on his electric bill. He asked to borrow 40 bucks and said that he and his wife were having a rough patch, so he couldn't borrow from her. Like a gullible idiot, I went to the nearest bank, withdrew the money, and put 40 bucks in Victor's hands after the workout. He promised to pay me back on payday. Payday came and went, but Victor's presence did not. I received a late night phone call from Victor. When I answered, he would sound drunk and talked endlessly, occasionally talking about my body. I stopped answering his calls and got voicemails from him, also sounding drunk, asking me to call him back. 
Two days after payday, when I confronted Victor at work to stop calling me and pay me back, he told me that he would pay me back next payday and that he just really needed a friend to talk to. I felt bad and agreed to wait, but I also made up an excuse of why I couldn't lift weights with him anymore. He didn't pay me back the following payday either, but Victor did send me a thread of pictures with his shirt off in his underwear and nude all within the week of payday. When the third payday came, Victor avoided me at work. The revenge. Infuriated with his harassment and not being paid, I went to Facebook the day after payday and found Victor's wife's Facebook page and her church Facebook's page. I created a Gmail account with Victor's full name, then created a Facebook page with his first name and last initial and uploaded all the photos he had sent me. Then, I friended his wife and the church's Facebook pages, set all settings to friends-only level privacy, and logged out. The same night, I called our company's ethics hotline and left a voicemail tip. Mr. Victor Fries is drinking very heavily and making lewd comments to coworkers and customers. Please look into this. Within a week, Victor was fired. Not only had he been drinking on the job and sometimes coming to work hungover, but he had also been using corporate gas cards to fuel his and his wife's vehicles. He was arrested during his shift, and several employees saw him walked out in handcuffs. I, unfortunately, didn't get to see that. Victor called me, drunk again, from his hotel room after his wife kicked him out of their house. Not satisfied with this level of revenge, I recorded Victor's voicemails into a handheld recorder that I'd bought for my college classes. I mailed the recording to his wife's church and marked it as, Attention, Nora Fries. Press play. Then, I changed phone numbers. I haven't heard from Victor in years, but his firing was the talk of the store for months. Our next Reddit post is from Misunderstood Potato. This isn't my pro-revenge, but my builders from about 15 years ago when they were building my house. The architect for our house was insistent on sash windows, and the only maintenance-free sash windows that were available in my country at the time were only available from one manufacturer. Now, this manufacturer had a very stuck-up and slippery sales rep who insisted on doing all the measurements himself, including the custom bay window. This rep also dropped off a couple of demonstration windows to show off, and he left them with our builders on site for a few weeks. If you're not familiar, brick construction in the UK comprises of an inner cinder block wall and an external wall, creating a cavity for insulation. This becomes important later. The windows show up at the construction site, and the builders get around to fitting them. All of them go in fine, apart from the bay windows. They didn't fit. This absolute moron had measured the internal cinder block and not the external brick, which meant the window was slightly too small. My pissed off builder phones the sales rep and tells him this window is the wrong size and they need to supply a new one. The sales rep turns into a butthole and blames our builder saying that he supplied the wrong dimension. Their arguing goes back and forth, but the sales rep doesn't budge. Our builder had no other choice than to buy another window, since all the other windows were paid for and fitted at this point. These windows were expensive, and the builder was very pissed. Now, this is where the revenge comes in. At this point, the sales rep still hadn't collected his demonstration window, and our builder wanted revenge on this slimy sales rep. Our builder gets some silicone bathroom sealant, opens the demonstration windows, fills the seams full of the stuff, and then closes the window, basically gluing the window shut. The sales rep eventually collects the demonstration window so he can show it off to a potential client. 
One of the selling points of these windows were that you could open them with just one finger. So now, imagine the sales rep in front of a potential customer failing to open this window with one finger. Now, imagine the sales rep trying to open the window with all of his strength and it's still not opening. Karma served. The pissed off sales rep eventually figures out that the builder sealed the window shut. He calls up the builders, screaming at them, going on about how he just lost a $450,000 contract to supply the windows to a new building development. At this point, the builders were in hysterics and the butthurt sales rep threatened to sue them. They never got another word off the sales rep in the end. Moral of the story, own up to your mistakes. Honestly, if this guy went into a meeting for a $450,000 contract and he doesn't have the presence of mind to at least test out his product before showing it to the client, then he deserves to lose the contract. What an idiot. That was our slash pro revenge. And if you like this content, be sure to follow my podcast because I put out new Reddit podcast episodes every single day.